Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything that there is to know about either sabermetrics or statcasts. Statcasting? Statcaster? Strat- I, I don't Stratocaster? know about this. I know. Stratocaster. You, Rebecca, yes. that is exactly where I was going. <laughs> uh, I am joined this evening uh, by my two co-hosts here. Uh, we have, as I point helpfully to the screen. Yes, yes you have my disease. <laughs> Hooray, I'm not the only one. I'm going to point at myself. I'm Nancy. I'm your <laughs> basketball enthusiast. And I can't even say it in the black because you're both wearing black. That's not helpful at all, you guys. Well, mine is like a charcoal you, gray. You could just say Rachel. But then that spoils the suspense of, like, introducing yourself. Where (laughs) is your sense of drama here? Come on. You in the hoodie. Oh, I have a hood. Okay. Hi, I'm Rachel. (laughs) I'm your baseball guru. And we're all a little slap happy. (sighs) Just a bit. And And I'm I'm Rebecca. Uh, I am hockey, I think. (laughs) Hockey? I don't know. I mean, it's... it's, November and there's no there's no knife knife shoes. There's no. So it's, it's all very confusing. Knife shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Oh, oh really? Oh yeah. 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 Knife yep. shoes. Yep. 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 And we are all sitting quietly with the knowledge that Rachel imparted to us earlier today, which is that it is in fact only been two weeks since <laughs> the World Series. Which Two weeks I or eight years. Warren was like at least a month ago. At yep. least. At, at least. least. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, let's be fair. You know, we're recording this on, I almost said the October 9th. 9th. We're recording it on <laughs> November, 9th, November 9th. And last week was a month. I yes. saw the best tweet that resonated so deeply with me. And it said, I have now been alive in five decades. <laughs> the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the teens... March and November 2nd through 8th. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah, that's about mm-hmm. right. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to just kick it off uh, this evening. Uh, it doesn't help that it's getting dark so early. Like it, it's 530 and it's like pitch dark outside, which yeah. is terrible. and makes me hate everything. But uh, so we wanted to kick it off this evening by covering... Uh, the first and perhaps most important uh, series finale in our lives right now, which was the presidential series finale. And I think that we will not alienate any of our base by saying that we are all relieved. Yes, uh, that is a word for it. How are we, how are we all feeling at the moment <laughs> about this? Well, I, I do want to say that if we are alienating some of our base with this, that's probably not a base that should be listening to this podcast. And, <laughs> and I mean, we probably alienated them like six months ago with all of our socialism talk. So Although I, I gotta say, say, I gotta say though, if there's anybody on here who has sat through all of the socialism and is not normally in that camp, kudos to you for sitting through a whole hell of a lot of it. And I hope, hope that we have presented some arguments that have broadened your frame uh, of experience. And you, if you have any questions, you can feel free to send them in and you know we'll have opinions about them. <laughs> yes, there is one thing that we are consistent about, and it is opinions and being vocal about those opinions. Yep, yep, 
Correct. Yeah. And so we're happy I, to tell you why all of our opinions are correct. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we do bullshit a lot on this podcast. And I, for one, will be making zero apologies for that anytime soon. But I do think we are also all rather well educated, rather up on issues. Uh, people who have investigated what we think and why and could actually back up all of our non-sports opinions <laughs> pretty thoroughly if, I if mean, needed. I mean, I am rarely comfortable about talking about things like in the in the everyday that I haven't done research on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that drives <laughs> like that tenet drives like half of my life. I have a bit. Don't of a look stupid, Rebecca. I'll admit, I'll admit, I'm a little more willing to just toss out an opinion. But if I do that, I will generally say, I haven't looked into this, but it seems like. You know, I, I yeah. do try to preface things that I don't know as much about with the caveat that I don't yeah. know as much about. Yeah. So, but anyway, I'm much the... more willing to talk out of my butt when it comes to baseball. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a grand tradition of sports, right? Talking out your ass like that's. Yeah. We're, we are upholding a long standing. Uh, <laughs> Tradition is not the word I'm looking for here. Uh, starts with a P. Tradition. Syllables. No, no. Uh, Pterodactyl. I mean, that does fit, but no. It's, uh, precedent. There we go. Uh, boy, we got there in the end. My, both of my neurons rubbing against each other real hard. <laughs> They're cold. Uh, they're huddling for warmth. I know they are. They're trying to make some friction and warm themselves up because it's cold in California. Uh, anyway, I got to say for me personally, like, obviously things are not fixed. Biden was not the candidate I was originally for. I don't think it's he's perfect. I don't think it's going to be a panacea. There's obviously a lot of work still to be done. But I got to say, I woke up this morning and read that there was now task force that seemed to be taking science seriously <laughs> and i felt a lot better about life yeah so like... it's, i think the biggest thing has just been able being able to unclench for the first time in uh-huh. yes. four years four yes. years yeah. yeah yeah and whoever said it before before we started recording oh i think it was joe we're not we're not done yet but it it is still a great unclenching knowing that <sighs> yeah. there is an end yes. point yeah, I had this moment in the middle of last week. And it was, you know, it was like I went into last week, you know, the election was on Tuesday, which is six days ago. And I went into it knowing that it was very likely we weren't going to have the results immediately, right? Like, right. Oh, sure. We we all knew this. And yet. But, and yet, and yet it yeah. got to be like Thursday. And I remember saying to my partner, like, oh, my stomach's so upset. Like, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I haven't like, I don't Everything hurts. Like, I'm sleeping yeah. like shit. <laughs> exactly. And I had, like, I literally had not connected for me. And I, because, like, I usually have a stomach of iron. Like, it's not, you know, like, the world can be ending and I will still get hungry and want to eat something, right? Like, yes. I know but, that feeling. <laughs> it's a good survival skill, I gotta say. <laughs> but, like, and so it's always this moment of, like, revelation to me when I actually get stressed enough that I, that my stomach is upset and I'm not hungry. And I had this moment of like, oh, right, no, everything is like in limbo and it's scary and stressful. And that's why I don't feel good right now. Oh, <laughs> amazing. 
So yeah, it's not perfect. I'm still kind of stressed. I will not fully unclench, first of all, until, you know, January 22nd or whatever. And yeah. then second of all, you know, when the plague is finally under more control. But but I feel like I took a breath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which was nice. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's that feeling of hope again. Yeah, right? Like, exactly. I'm with you. This It isn't going to solve anything because 70 million people still mm-hmm. at least are okay enough with racism right. to vote <laughs> for the... it's not a deal breaker. Yeah. The right. big orange bully. Yeah. Right. Um, so we've got, we've got work to do, but it's still, like, it feels like we might be able to do the work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's it's still an uphill battle, but it's a slightly lower incline. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And Rebecca, it just occurs to me, were you at the Women's March in 2016? I was. So were we. Yeah. Were you in D.C.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We Shut both up. We met up there. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny? I, I mean, we were the ones in the pink hats. Yes. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I was the one. I didn't wear a pink hat because I had bright red hair at the time. Ah, like nice. you see the the Capitals poster behind me. My hair was like that red. Mine <laughs> didn't exist. I had my head shaved. Still. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, that's right. You I mean, did. with with all of the million people there, I actually ran into my boss. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, like if we no. had if if we had planned it, we would not have been able to find each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it. No, Rachel yeah, I went I, to. It was no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it was only like maybe the third time we met in person. Yeah, something like that. Third or fourth. Maybe time. fourth. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. I think of you guys as having been besties for like fifteen years. Well, I mean that's not inaccurate, but most of the yeah, time we've been well, yeah, in person in contact for yeah at least ten that's now. Fair, fair. Eleven, yeah. yeah, a decade, a solid decade, which yeah. is its own kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. You, I went to. <laughs> I love you, Nancy. <laughs> I went to Obama's inauguration as well, which was oh wow, amazing. Oh, that's really cool. It was amazing. Yeah, that's it. that is amazing. Yeah, that's funny. I suspect I will not go to Biden's. Because, you know, plague. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a valid reason. Yeah. Well, well. All right. Any final thoughts about the presidential series finale? <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> that I'm, I'm kind of happy we're doing this because um, I will, when I start listening to a podcast, I'll go back and listen to, you know, a bunch of the early episodes. And mm-hmm. it was funny, anything that started you know, before November of 2016, there was always that episode that hit the first one they recorded oh, after the election mm-hmm. that like, uh-huh. you didn't even have to look at the date, you know, you just heard in the tone uh-huh. of their voices when they mm-hmm. came on, like, okay, we're all, you know, in this garbage heap together. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. all, you know, and a lot of them were not even talking about the topic of their podcast. They're just, you know, processing out loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... I'd like to put the opposite of that out into the universe. The first one after this election where we're all, you know, remembering what it's like to be able to sleep at night and have a little bit of hope. It's it's so interesting. Like really, like, I mean, I just, I woke up Sunday morning and so I've been trying to do this thing where it's so backing up. I'm terrible at daily things. This has never been a strong point for me. 
as dependable and organized as a person as I am, I, for whatever reason, literal daily habits are like just a nightmare for me. And I have been trying to get up every morning and like stretch, right? Remember that I have a physical body that needs to move around, especially working from home, you know, like you sit all day. So I've been trying to do this. I've been consistently doing it for probably right about a month now. Nice. With like, and like eventually I want to move it to like doing yoga in the morning or something, but like that was too high a bar, right? We got to right. Yeah. You just got to start. You just yeah. start. Yeah. Like, okay. I stand up and I touch my toes. You know? <laughs> just trying to get the habit in place. Um, but I woke up. Sunday morning and I got up and I, you know, did my stretching. I've been doing a little bit of Pilates with friend of the pod, Margot, who is terrific. Um, and she's been doing Zoom Pilates with me because she got her Pilates certification. Yeah, Cross-continentally, right which I think is yeah, kind of it, impressive. It's terrific. And if any of you ever want to try it, I highly recommend her because she's like, she's amazing. Anyway, I had no idea what Pilates was. She's making me really love it. Um but I got up and I did my little like stretching and I did like two minutes of Pilates. And for the first time in a while, I like projected a future plan without any caveats. <laughs> and I texted my buddy, Steven, who is my acro yoga buddy. And I was like, hey, Steven, I'm going to get really buff and then we're going to do standing acro. And he texted me back and he's like, fuck yes, let's do this thing. Uh, but which is ridiculous. And also I'm totally going to do it and it's going to be great. But it was this moment of just, I suddenly was able to imagine the possibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like not even just the future, because I feel like I have, like, I've been working very hard during the quarantine to be like, okay, I'm not letting this derail me. Right. right. Like we're still recording podcasts. I'm still, you know, doing writing. I'm still trying to make music. I'm, you know, like it's been, but it's always felt like a slog. It's like, well, I guess there's a pandemic and who the fuck knows what's going to happen with the election, but we're going to do it anyway. And we're going to, you know, like, I'm not yeah. going to let this shit get me down, you know? But mon but Sunday morning, it was like, it was freeing. I was just like, I can imagine a future. I don't even have to think about a future. It's just this, this moment of like, yes, this is the thing I want to do. It's going to be fun. We're going to do it. And and that really hit me that I hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. And it was, yeah. So I think that's how I've most felt it. Huh? I shut everybody up. It's a miracle. We're just all like relaxed now. Just and I know. <laughs> uh, just taking it. That's away. an interesting point. Is this going to be an episode where we don't like, where our voices don't get increasingly higher and higher throughout the episode. I mean, we'll crazy. find out once I start talking about baseball. I, you know. Oh, okay. That's a good point. So on that note, any final thoughts before we let Rachel work herself into a fury over baseball? All right. We're all sitting back okay. in our chairs and ready. Well, yeah. I don't know yep. how much of a fury I'm going to work because we've, as we've uh, already talked about off the air, uh, seems and, and on the air too you know what it seems like it was a decade ago that we last watched a baseball oh, game i am i am legitimately stunned that it was two weeks ago yeah. i yeah. honestly thought it was a month at least yeah yeah that's wild who yes yeah, so uh october what was it 27th should have written that down did not <laughs> Uh, we had World Series Game 6, which ended up being the uh, finale of the baseball season for this year. It was, yeah. Uh, and just to refresh your memory, since it did take place uh, back in the <laughs> 1500s, 
Uh, the Rays lost to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers thus won the World Series. Yes. Um, so, to paraphrase a popular internet meme, bitch is gonna complain about the manager whether he leaves the pitcher in or takes the pitcher out. That's me. <laughs> my bitches. <laughs> so, in case you don't remember, um, the, the game started out real well for the Rays, uh, not in the, uh, offensive sense but in the defensive sense they scored one Mm -hmm. run and then Mm -hmm. their starting pitcher a guy named Blake Snell just completely locked the Dodgers down they were not getting I think they got like one hit in the third inning and then Mm -hmm. you know nothing they were just you know not seeing his his pitches very well they were not really able to do anything well then it comes to the middle of the sixth inning and uh the guy at the uh the end of the Dodgers lineup Austin Barnes gets a hit and then coming up next is Mookie Betts. He's the uh, the leadoff hitter for the Dodgers. Real good hitter. Really good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the manager, Kevin Cash, at this point has a choice what to do. And he yanks Blake Snell. The, the Rays manager. The Rays manager, yes. Um, and, and a manager... I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you No, so go much. ahead. The manager is like a coach, right? It's the same role. This is not yeah. like a general manager. Yeah, baseball does have a general manager too, but when you hear manager for baseball, we're talking about the head coach, essentially. Okay, thank um, you. Yeah. So, no, sorry, follow-up question. Yes. Do you do you have a head coach and a manager? No. Uh, the You have it's like just a hitting a coach and a, a bench coach and stuff, name. but it's just, okay. it's just a manager. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like yeah, Mr. So, manager. Okay. Yeah who's making the decisions. And uh, that's one of the biggest decisions the manager has to make during the game is uh, pitchers who comes out, who stays in when this happens. Um, and a lot of people were real upset right away that he uh, had taken Blake Snell out, including myself. Uh, it did not seem like a good move. Uh, I remember had, seeing that in, in real time. Your, yes. Your yeah. Disappointment I may have expressed and frustration. My frustration with this, yes, <laughs> as did quite a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were not the only one I was seeing making yeah. comments about that all yeah. time. Now, the rationale behind uh, Kevin Cash's decision was, you know, the hit from Austin Barnes, first of all, put a base runner on with the top of the lineup coming up. And that the top of the lineup, and the, um, the lineup, Dodgers lineup had already seen Blake Snell through twice. They each had mm-hmm. two times up to bat against him. And, and he had shut them down. yes. But statistics say, and maybe particularly for Blake Snell, that the third time batters see him, they start doing better Mm -hmm. against him. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Mm -hmm. Cash's thought in that moment was to prevent any of that from happening. We're going to go ahead and take Snell out, put in this guy named Nick Anderson, who had been stellar during the regular season as a relief pitcher. Although Mm -hmm. in the past, like seven, six or seven outings he'd given up at least one run so he was not like particularly good on his game and sure enough within the next six pitches the Dodgers had taken the lead two to one yeah so uh you know that suddenly became the story of the game even more so because the Dodgers manager Dave Roberts that has kind of been his go-to and move in the past taking out Mm -hmm. good starting pitchers or good relief pitchers when he's like before getting a jump on it before the pitcher starts to go downhill, but then bringing in a relief pitcher who then shits the bed. Mm-hmm. So he, what we have at work here, as you know, I was trying to 
to figure out this decision and how, how I wanted to talk about it and what could I say that has not been said by a thousand other angry people on social media. Um, <laughs> in the context of this podcast, I want to talk about how it kind of gets to a very central and driving conflict of baseball, which is this idea mm. of statistics versus gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, not just baseball. Yes. Um, I think of it as kind of part of baseball because it is historically so statistics heavy, but I imagine a lot of sports are kind of going that way as, you know, technology improves and you're better able to see angles and crunch numbers and what have you. Yeah. I feel like I don't see as much of this in basketball. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I won't say it's not there because it certainly is particularly in player evaluation. Like in terms of who who you want to get in the off season and stuff like that, I think stats have gotten a lot more prevalent. But I feel like I don't see it as often, like as part of in game decisions. Yeah, actually, um, that's that's a good point, Nancy. I it is considered a lot by hockey commentators and mm-hmm. pundits and journalists mm-hmm. and people like me who are weird <laughs> about statistics and mathing in that we like mm-hmm. them uh, very much. Um, but they probably affect the game and the decisions of the managers of the coaches less than I like yeah. to think yeah. they do. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's not, I mean, maybe I'm just not up on it. Maybe I'm not in, you know, a close <laughs> enough or detail enough fan to be paying that much attention to it but I feel like it's not nearly as big a piece of it as it is for baseball yeah, and, and maybe also for football yeah I would imagine not because of the the pace of the game is different mm-hmm. and I feel like coaches in hockey yeah. and basketball probably have to, you know have to make decisions on the fly Split a lot more yeah. often than um baseball managers that do. makes sense and even football yeah, I would sense. say to to some extent because you have the pausing between the plays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So Kevin Cash has made a lot of unconventional decisions this season, and he's gotten a lot of praise for it because the Rays weren't – I mean, they were expected to do fairly well, as they did um, mm-hmm. last season winning the wild card game, <clears throat> but not expected to go all the way to the World Series. Sure. Um, so a lot of his decision-making has been based on based on statistics and based on math and not necessarily on instinct. Um, and in fact, I was reading quite a few articles about this and, um, the New York times writer, Tyler Kepner, um, thought it was interesting the way he kind of summed it up. Um, he called the decision to pull Blake Snell in the sixth inning, a push button move when the moment demanded vision. And then later on <laughs> another world series that ends with the manager trusting matchups over pedigree, afraid to let an ace be an ace. Wow. Now, of course the, the catch 22 of this is that, you know, had he left Snell in and had Snell been the one to start giving up hits, everyone says, why did you not pull him the second Austin Barnes got that first hit? Why did you not pull him before the lineup could turn over and Mookie Betts could come back to bat? Yeah, because you know, statistically, this guy does shit, blah, 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 blah. Right, Yeah, of course. So first, I want to back up a little bit and talk about the manager's duties in general um, What uh, for a baseball team. Um, so these days, uh, the most important duties are, um, choosing the batting order and the starting pitcher, as well as deciding to win, deciding when to bring in relief pitchers, who to bring in and various substitutions. 
Um, however, it hasn't always been that way. Um, the, from my, what I understand um, is that the front office has taken more and more power over the past few years. Um, in regard to both roster construction in general and even in-game strategy. Yeah. Can you define front office for us? Um, that's kind of a nebulous concept, but um, the, the GM, the general manager, um, mm-hmm. to some extent the owner, but I think largely when they say front office, they're yeah. talking about the general manager, the business head of the team. Yeah, um, that's, that's making, what it would be for hockey as well. Yeah, the, who's making the financial decisions, essentially, is also starting right. to play a role. And that, you know, is pretty obvious in terms of team construction, you know, when they're talking about which players to move around and, you know, salaries mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think but, of it as, like, the the um, the front office is, like, the sport-facing activities versus mm-hmm. the non-sport-facing. Like, payroll for the team is not front office. Mm. Right. But anybody who's interfacing with players or making decisions about players and things like that would be front office. That's at least how I conceptualize it for for Mm. hockey. Interesting. I think that's a little different than how I would conceptualize it for basketball. But but the point being, there's the general manager who is functionally a coach and he's in charge of the like on the field decisions. The manager stuff like that. Yes. Sorry. And then the the GM and the front office mm-hmm. are more the, the administrative level. Is that fair to say? Sort of the muckety mucks a little bit? To well, but it's not just administrative. They're a little bit more big picture than that, I think. Okay, that's yeah. fair. But they're the ones who like go out and like make offers to players mm-hmm. and like, you know, um, probably talk to sponsors and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I just realized we hadn't ever really talked about that, so I wanted to That's make sure true. we were clear and, on what uh, we Honestly, were. my knowledge of the, the structure of baseball as a business is very limited. I will say that up front. Um, <laughs> Fair. So, yeah. But um, so from what I understand is that, um, and I read a good article by uh, Travis Salchik on Fangraphs, and I'll post these when we, you know, we always say we're going to post it to the website. And eventually we will. The day of reckoning is coming. It is. For that yes. website. It is. And now that we're all so, you know, just relaxed Joyful. and sailing through life, <laughs> there's, I'm not saying for sure that's going to happen, but I think the odds are much greater now. Yeah. The, um, the, the stats have gone in our favor for once. Okay. Well, at least I want to I wanna give uh, Travis Sawchick credit. It's, managers are more and more often seen as extensions of the front office that must be in general mm-hmm. agreement with the philosophies and practices of the general manager. So, um, and I think this has kind of coincided also with, uh, I don't want to say less personality in terms of baseball managers, because it usually Mm -hmm. resulted in things like, you know, the screaming at the umpire and the, you know, throwing things and getting kicked out of games. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there is less of that nowadays for a number of reasons, including the reliance on instant replay and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. there's been, I, you know, where was I even going with that? So the manager has to, to speak to the press both before and after the games, right? And is kind of mm-hmm. this liaison between the players and the front office, essentially. Um, which ends up meaning that the manager more often than not has to kind of answer for a lot of things that may or may not be his. And I'm saying his because all the baseball managers are male, but... It does not mm-hmm. preclude 
the possibility of one day being a female baseball manager, which I think is far, far in the future, which is a problem, but that's for another day. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, then flow of thought, manager, duties. manager duties. Yes. Um, and I think in the past there has been a tendency more to rely on gut instinct. Um, mm -hmm. and that is being replaced these days, uh, like pitcher manage pitching decisions are now based on mathematics of player matchup. You know, how does the batter do better against lefties or righties? Does the, mm -hmm. um, you know, is the, the pitcher going to be able to get this batter to hit a ground ball, thus increasing the chances of a double play, that sort of thing. Sure. And very, very right. specialized pitchers that we've seen, especially mm -hmm. in relief. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this, uh, uh, this article was even talking about like robo managers. And at one point, you know, are we going to have a computer program that will run the stats of, okay, you know, what's the best mathematically, mm -hmm. the best matchup of pitter, pitter and hitcher, pitcher and hitter. <laughs> and uh, you know, what's the, what's the best outcome going to be? Um, uh -huh. And uh -huh. from there, you know, kind of taking a, a, uh, uh, denigrating view of statistics and all that and what that's doing to the game of baseball. That's, that's a favorite, another favorite of sports writers. Um, mm. As much as, as they love statistics and being able to report specifics and, you know, create stories from the, uh, the statistics, which I think is kind of a really interesting thing that happens. Um, there's also, they like to retain this ability to say, but you know, it's not all numbers. There's something, you know, that takes all the romance out of the, the game. spirit of the yeah, game. The intangibles. Kind of the, yeah. Yes, the intangibles, yes. Okay, so where did this, like, heavy reliance on statistics come from? Um, so baseball has already, always been kind of a statistics-heavy game, given that yeah. um, the method of, of scorekeeping um, came about in, like, the 1870s and box scoring and um, I've done a little bit of this myself. It's um, a way of... I have seen you do it. It is weird looking. Yeah, it's fun. It's What you're essentially doing <laughs> is recording every aspect of the game on paper so that, in theory, every uh, pitch is accounted for through various notations and diagrams and fun little pictures. Um, it looks like D&D stat sheets. It does, Yeah. Um, D and D and baseball have a lot in common. I talk about they that. Do. One of these they days. actually really do. Yeah, that's yeah. I'll get into that another day. But yeah, so it's kind of fun, and it very much appeals to my desire of the same thing of, of bullet journaling and like you know noting everything down. There's a place to to put everything, um, and you have this very detailed record on this one sheet of paper. So that's this been is around. One of the things I love about you, for the record. <laughs> Uh, glad to know you, you feel positively about it. Not that I'm, you know, I crazy do. Person. I think it's terrific. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, that's been around forever. Um, and it's, I think it's gotten more detailed over time and, um, I'll have to scan some of my sheets and put it in there because you they should. start getting, it's really interesting. they start getting nutty with, uh, um, you know, bringing a lot of pitchers in and doing a lot of double substitutions. It gets a little nuts. But anyway, um, so that's that has always kind of been in the background. And I don't know how long things like batting averages and um, earned run averages for pitchers have been um, around, but that's been a long time. 
But uh, something that's called sabermetrics has dated back to the 1970s. Um, and as badass as sabermetric sounds and is evocative of saber-toothed tigers and sharpened swords. And swords! Yes. Uh, sadly, it is actually a, an abbreviation for Society of American Baseball Research Metrics. That is much um, less exciting. I know. So we're just going to go with sabermetrics. Um, essentially, that refers to baseball analytics, quantitative analysis of everything that can possibly be measured on a baseball field. Um, so it has been around since 1971 and um, been kind of increasing and being tweaked. But it really came into the conversation um, for the 2002 Oakland A's um, after uh, Billy Bean and Paul Podesta um, kind of based their team formation of the 2002 A's around statistics specifically. And that's what the book and the movie Moneyball is about. Oh. Um, yes. And I have not seen it um, since I started watching baseball. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw it probably in the mid-2000s. So I only have the barest memory of it. And it's so interesting because it seems, it seems very difficult for me to conceptualize baseball apart from this heavy reliance on statistics. Um, but it, it's a fairly new thing that um, because for for a long time, recruiters and coaches and um, scouts, sort I'm looking for, have relied very have had relied very heavily on gut instinct and mm -hmm. what they've seen and you know their personal experience with the player rather than looking at a stat sheet. And so, um, even though the 2002 A's didn't win the World Series or anything, I don't think they played in the World Series that year. They did win something insane like 20 games in a row. And oh, nobody dang. was expecting them to do that. And um, instead of kind of relying on big names and big salaries, um, Billy Bean, who's he uh, retired in like 2015 or stepped down as the, the GM, but he's still around. And you still hear him mentioned from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, is that he he went very mathematically about it and like, okay, what pieces are we missing? You know, what do, what do we need here and who best fills those from purely mathematical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite this century of baseball relying on, um, you know, all these statistics, people still kind of thought he was nuts. And so mm -hmm. I, I should rewatch that movie. Um, we should watch now it that I know. Pod, Cause I've never yeah, seen we it. Should. I haven't either. We'll yeah. add it to the list. Um, Where is that list? <laughs> somewhere in Google Drive? Somewhere <laughs> in Google Drive or in one of our heads somewhere. I no, don't it know. Definitely, it definitely exists somewhere. Might just be in my phone notes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the stated purpose of sabermetrics is, is three, right? Compare key performance be able to compare key performances of specific players under real world conditions, right? Mm -hmm. um, to predict future performance of either specific players or teams and to provide a statistical picture, statistical picture of any one player's contribution to a team. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that has been greatly enhanced um, first in 2006 and then again in 2015. Um, so something called Pitch FX came out in 2006, which was a, um, a tool to be able to break down pitches very specifically with the use of high-speed cameras mm. um, and, and 
you know, various uh, algorithms to be able to to talk about, you know, the angle that the pitch is coming in, the spin rate that the pitch has. Um, and that's been replaced by even better and better software over the past 15 years. And then um, StatCast came about in 2015, which I don't know if you guys have watched, just what the ba- from the baseball you've watched, heard, talked about um, StatCast or, you know, like, according to StatCast or in the StatCast era gets said a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because in, in 2015, they rolled out this um, set of automated tools that allowed um, almost instantaneous uh, looks at things like the angle of the ball coming off the bat, the speed of the, the ball coming off the bat, the, um, mm. the probability of the, of a, an outfielder running to catch a pitch as increases as he gets closer to mm-hmm. the ball, stuff like that. This kind of insane stuff that the, the um, broadcasting team is able to do because of this, uh, this uh, data and package of tools um, which has kind of turned into an arms race of data analysis for various teams. Yeah, Nancy. Is this the stuff that, like, when you're watching a baseball game, you can see, you know, it'll project the arc of something, and then it'll give mm-hmm. you those, like, scatter plots of, like, where balls are hit and, like, where yep. the pitchers are throwing? Okay. Yep. Okay. That and, like, you know, dividing the field up into pie wedges, mm-hmm. and this is how often the player hits to... Mm-hmm. Far left versus mm-hmm. center left versus mm-hmm. you um, yeah. do get that to a certain extent in basketball. That is one stat that you get because you'll often see a breakdown of where on the court players are making their shots from, and mm-hmm. so you'll get the sort of like a, a a chart that's you know the court divided into sections and then with a different percentage for each section that says you know right. and obviously you want somebody who's making shots equally from all around the court, but. Because then if you see your opponent is making a bunch of them from the left side, you tell your defense, like, well, just don't let them go to the left, you know? Right. <laughs> and yeah, just don't interesting do that. to know, you know, kind of when that came about and if that shares kind of any common programming roots with, with StatCast. Yeah, I have no idea, but it's an interesting yeah. question. And I would have no idea how to analyze that, but yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get our statistics so- team on it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what this has created is kind of an arms race. So everybody, I think, kind of gets the same data from StatCast, but they've Mm -hmm. all kind of got their proprietary means of analyzing it. And all the teams are very secretive about the processes they use, what data they use, how they use it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's just kind of where we're at at this point. you know, and if you if you watch a uh, baseball game, you're going to hear phrases like launch angle, phrases like, right. um, you know, all the, the various pitching statistics that they break down um, mm-hmm. because that's that's coming into the game a lot. That's I, even um, fielders and batters are using it. It's, you know, often talked about in terms of pitching and pitchers, but um, you hear about people adjusting their launch angle and that has to do with the angle of the bat swing. Mm-hmm. Like what at you know what angle can i best bring the bat around at such that i can hit the ball as far as possible mm-hmm. and the the conversation about home runs has centered around that a lot lately mm-hmm. so that's just kind of where we're at right now um in terms of baseball decision making and um this this tension between instinct and statistics and you know how much how fair is it 
to try to call a manager out for making a decision based on statistics mm-hmm. um, and say it's, you know, it's kind of taking the romance out of the game or like, how is the manager supposed to be able to be responsible <laughs> for mm-hmm. the romance of the game, you know? And so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just going to say it kind of creates a catch 22, you know, even more so than obviously they're always going to be Monday morning quarterbacks that are, of course, breaking down every single decision and are going to take the manager to task for whatever they decide to do good or bad. Um, but have we created this kind of impossible position for the manager um, where they are, uh, you know, going to be damned if they do damned if they don't. And I ran across one article and I didn't jot it down. So I couldn't find it again for this article, but they were saying that too often manager decisions are, are, are criticized based on the outcome of the game and how dare they. And it was kind of like, and, and isn't that how we're all judged? Pardon. <laughs> um, <laughs> like if like I, I think- do a shitty job at work, if it if it ends well, they're going to be like, good job, Rebecca. And if I yeah. do like a, a good job and something blows up, like physically blows up, they'd be like, Rebecca, <laughs> that's a bad thing. You don't typically deal with fire. Like, <laughs> yeah, we usually get judged by our outcomes. Yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess there are other things like I would love to see managers judged on how well they respect their players health and safety, mm-hmm. you know. Whoa, whoa, but whoa, whoa, I know. whoa. That's, <laughs> hey, now. that's not the conversation we're having right now. So, <laughs> so I want to, this is making me think um, of a conversation we had not too long ago about, um, I think I was ranting about how I get salty about wanting, about people who want to build a team out of the quantifiably best players available without regard to whether they're good together. Mm -hmm. And then we were talking about that versus like, you know, playing NBA 2020 or whatever on your, you know, video games and how that sort of thing does reward that sort of stat checking and stat compiling. But I was thinking, so I was thinking about this further because I'm a nerd and I have a sports podcast and I was, you know, I listened to that episode where we were talking about that and I was thinking about it more and I was thinking, you know, if we were talking musicians, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you want somebody who plays all right, all the correct notes, right? But a really big piece of music is interpretation, right? And so you don't want to put, you know, a, a... wind quartet together of people who are just playing the notes, even if they're playing all the correct dynamic levels, all the correct interpretation markings on the score, what you really want is to put four people together who are playing off each other, right? So that if one of them decides to ignore this decrescendo because they're feeling in the moment and they think the music shouldn't go that way, the other three respond to it and go with it, right? Mm Because that's going to make a better resulting experience for the listeners than if one of them goes off the directions and the other three very doggedly stick to exactly what they're supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there's a level of that artistic interpretation, if you will, in sports, right? Like you have to, it's about more than just can this guy hit 90% of his free throws? Like if he can, that's great. You definitely want somebody who can hit a lot of Mm -hmm. free throws. But if I have the choice between somebody who can hit 90% of his three throws, but doesn't respond to what other people are doing on the court, 
versus somebody who hits like 80% of his free throws mm-hmm. and does respond to what other people are doing on the court. I want that other guy better, you know? Well, yeah. And I, we've, it's like the same way at work, right? Like I would rather hire somebody who I know is going to be a good fit with my team and teach them some of the yeah. more technical stuff than I would hire somebody who is technically incredible but can't play nice with others and can't interpret client requests, right? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit in terms of um, trade deadlines Mm -hmm. and what teams do at at trade deadlines. Um, When they, you know, when a a team wants to make a really big playoff push in, I mean, definitely in, we know this happens in hockey and in um, basketball, Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, a team making a push is going to pull on as many players to their team as they can who are superstars mm-hmm. and it's a real crapshoot because yeah you've got right. all these really skilled players but they only have like two months to figure out how to work together and right. they, they don't always do it well right yeah and there's um you know stuff you can't predict like uh, you know, just having watched the Marlins for a few seasons and all these pitchers who were, you know, absolutely stellar when they were with another team mm-hmm. come to the Marlins and just start sucking wind, you know? <laughs> um, and then on the other hand, you have players like nobody predicted Randy Rosarena on the Rays mm-hmm. was going to be mm-hmm. breaking every hitting record in the postseason, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some of that too. And um, I had one other point and it's, not the in intangibles. my at the moment. Well, if it comes back to you. Oh, yes. I was just going to say, like, if it were all statistics, everybody who paid attention would be winning fantasy baseball. And they're not. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Although, so, I will say, when I do play fantasy hockey, it's, it is usually the person who has let auto-draft do their draft for them who ends up winning. Really? Really. I have no actual huh. experience with fantasy well, sports whatsoever. I, I have two two years of this. Yeah, <laughs> two years That's is more my than sample. we have. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're going to have to talk about that at some point. That's a good one. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about in terms of the baseball season finale, uh, Rachel, is what happened during the last game and immediately <laughs> after the last game. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is where my voice might start to go up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's fair. I, that's fair. That's that's what you're asking me about, right? You you mean you mean yep. about in in a public health sense. I do mean it about in a public yeah. health sense. And to some extent we are a public health podcast at this point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So in round about the 8th inning, I think the Dodgers third baseman Justin Turner was pulled out of the game. And right. uh, nobody knew why. Uh, nobody, you know, the broadcasters talked about it. As far as they could tell, he hadn't been injured. He was hitting very, very well after Blake Snell was pulled out of the game and uh. they were beaten up on the Rays pitchers. Um, so they didn't, didn't know why. Come to find out, uh, I think right after the game ended, everybody found out that Justin Turner had been playing with an inconclusive COVID-19 test and mm-hmm. so was given another one, and the results did not come back until the eighth inning, at which point they came back positive. Mm-hmm. So they yanked him out of the game then and put him in quarantine, right? All, everything's good, right? Threat. Mm, yes, yes that's perfect. That's exactly yep. what you're supposed yes. to do, except yep, for the done. part that he shouldn't have been playing 
Did I say the fart? Except for the fact that he shouldn't have been playing with an inconclusive result. Yep, yep. And I think I actually the inconclusive result didn't even come back until like the second inning. And then they gave him a rapid test. And then it came back in the eighth inning as positive. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Dodgers win the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes running out onto the field initially mm-hmm. with masks. And oh, look, mm-hmm. here comes Justin Turner. Let out of mm-hmm. quarantine. Well, at least he's wearing a mask. Oh, wait, what's that? He's taking the mask off right uh-huh. on the field on national television? Next to his teammate who had cancer? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. And, of course, uh, Manfred, the baseball commissioner, blamed it on a whole bunch of misunderstandings. And, you know, everybody's trying to be like, well, he deserves to celebrate with his teammates. Well, you know, I think there are a whole sure lot of people Sure he does, but they don't deserve to get fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of Sorry. people out there who deserve to go to the funerals of their loved ones across the country, but couldn't mm-hmm. because of this. Mm-hmm. Students who deserve to go to graduation ceremonies, families who deserve to go to weddings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Gave a bunch of BS. So, yeah, the team gave a bunch of excuses and we're all like, well, I wasn't going to stop him from celebrating. And, oh, he he thought he was the he wasn't the only one in quarantine. So it's just excuse after excuse. And as of, I think, Saturday, but. the team had the organization had nine positive COVID tests and one family member uh, in the organization has tested positive as well. They're not releasing any names, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there you have it. Cool. 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 I'm sorry. What do they think quarantine means? Cause if quarantine means I can go shout in the faces of my 30 closest friends <laughs> and like sweat on them We've been doing and like this wrong the yeah. whole time. Then why have I been why have I been by myself for nine months? I mean, uh. you know, we've all been using the term quarantine loosely. You know, I'm guilty of this. It's this true because I go get a Slurpee every day with my mask on, lots of hand sanitizer, minimize mm-hmm. interactions with people. But you know, I yeah, I've been trying to use isolation in, instead of quarantine. Yes, isolation. There we go. He should have been in actual quarantine. Actual quarantine. Yes, he should have been in a bubble. Positive. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. In his own personal bubble, not the mm-hmm. baseball bubble, which was more like a mesh hat as we disguised, as we disguised, mm-hmm. discussed. Mm-hmm. We're all just picking the words we want to say and not necessarily the words <laughs> that are what we mean. So, yeah. It's so okay, that's how all the, on our level anyway. That's how the baseball season ended. Good friggin' just, job, Dodgers. Ugh. The thing, I just remember watching it. So, like, the news about his positive test came out as they're celebrating. Yes. And I remember yes. literally watching on the TV live as he is hugging his teammates, taking his mask off, kissing his wife, sitting in the f- photos elbow to elbow with everybody, grinning with his mask off. And I just remember thinking several things. First of all, Somebody should have stopped this, and I kind of don't care who. Major League Baseball, the team owners. Security? (laughs) Security. Yeah, somebody. Like, there were so many people who could have come to their senses and put a stop to it, and none of them did. Yeah. And second of all, it frankly makes me think a whole lot less of him as a person. Yeah. Because I don't care. Like, I understand winning the World Series is a big moment, but... 
to have that sort of casual disregard for the people around you, these people who are your coworkers, and not even just them, but but the knowledge that they, you know, you don't know who's in their family, right? Exactly. Like this isn't, and that's the thing with COVID, right? Like maybe your team of baseball buddies is all like young, healthy dudes who you think are reasonably safe, right? But you don't know who lives with their grandmother. You don't know who has an immunocompromised kid or sibling or, you know. Yeah. Well, it, and how just... many of these players have very young children? Right. It's yeah, so, And they're not in no in no scenario. Are they all going to go into quarantine after the finish right. of the game before exactly. they can see like, their families? And even the people who have gotten, you know, I now know three people who are our age who are, you know, like one degree removed from me, like people I know personally, close friends or family who have had it. They've all survived, thank heaven. They have all recovered. They also all say it's a shit thing to live through. You know, like, why would you? Yeah. So I just, my takeaway from that was, first of all, fuck the organization. And second of all, fuck this dude in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And like, could none of the players have just been like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Yeah. Seriously. Well, so I was I was looking up a couple articles as as you were talking, Rachel, because I wanted to see if there were any updates of how many people had been mm-hmm. diagnosed now. Um, and one of the things that was said is um, the I guess it was Manfred who said it was that the players had already all been exposed to him. So they made the decision that they were comfortable with him coming out. Right. I find it extremely hard to believe that between the time the that, they, yeah, that they won the game and the time that he mm-hmm. left his little isolation chamber, they said, mm-hmm. all right, guys, we have a tough decision to make. You know, how do you feel about your teammate coming? Like, there was no fucking decision. That might be something that you can say after the fact. And it might mm-hmm. be true. But don't pretend that you had that adult responsible conversation <laughs> before he went and breathed on everybody. Yeah. And well, there's and more also, than just the players yeah. on that field too. Yes. Yeah, there is. There's all the spouses and all the kids. And also having been exposed, like the more times you're exposed, the higher your chance of catching it. Right. And the so, worse like, yeah, the, maybe the disease can be for you when you. Right. So maybe they've all been a dugout with him, you know, hopefully with masks on, but like going out and hugging on the field is upping their odds of catching it. Yep. Sorry, apparently it was me whose voice was going to get high. It was all of us. (laughs) Yeah, just like, and I think that's the first time I have ever genuinely felt bad for Dodgers fans. Like they have been after this (laughs) thing for years with this phenomenal team Uh that keeps, you know, Uh uh, it keeps messing up right at the very end. They have maybe 30 seconds to feel good about their team winning the World Series. Maybe. It wasn't even minutes. Yeah, yeah. it was that yeah. fast. It, it was wild. Like watching it melt down in real time. Yeah, was really interesting. Watching the celebration on the field and watching Twitter lose its sports Twitter. Mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. So congratulations, twenty twenty. You made me feel bad for Dodgers fans. <laughs> it's a new ball. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad I was sitting down for that one. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the baseball season finale, Rachel? Put a bow on it for us. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, uh, Matt Olson and Ramon Laureano were uh, finalists for Golden Glove oh, nominations. What is what is Golden Glove? Do we know? Is that MVP? 
that's uh, each uh, position in each league gives out one golden glove. So there's one, you know, American League shortstop and one National League shortstop who gets it. Um, and so again, awards have probably already been given out, but I didn't pay attention. Because it's like, so that's like the MVP best of your position. your position. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so congratulations to, to you. them. Okay. I want to ask you about Simeon and Hendricks, but we'll save that for next time. Oh, because yeah. And that'll make me sad, too. So I know. So <laughs> it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for next time. Uh, in the meantime, I have big, big news. Yes. Basketball's coming back. For a Maybe. new season. Yay! Probably, we think. <laughs> uh, initially, they were hoping to come back on December 1st, 2020. Uh, but the commissioner, commissioner Adam Silver, uh, then wanted to delay until January because they really need and want to get fans into the stands. Um, the NBA receives 40% of its revenue from attendance, um, and so delaying the season until it's safer to let more fans into the arenas would be better. But there's no real indication of when that's going to be possible i mean we know it's not going to be possible before january 21st <laughs> right exactly or 20th or 24th so, they, so it's probably not going to happen yeah. in 24 hours after that no no so the nba ended up uh delaying the targeted start date of the regular season to december 22nd 2020 um the basketball players association has tentatively approved a 72 game regular season to start then, starting on the 22nd yeah, instead of an 82 game, which is usually the regular season. Uh, it's supposed to be a condensed schedule, so things will, you know, move quickly. There'll be a lot of back-to-backs, I assume. Uh, playoffs, again, will be in May and June, so that players can then participate in the 2020 Summer Olympics. Um, so, yeah, th- it's interesting, and I guess there's also some thought that they might have to do a bubble again, or at least start in a bubble, though that's unconfirmed so it's kind of it's one of those that where it's like there's a plan but it's not all set in stone yet we think the 22nd we're not you know i i haven't heard anything yet but it wouldn't surprise me if they end up doing a sort of regional thing where it's like these teams play these teams and you know just to try and keep it more localized but i haven't seen anything about that for sure um nancy there was a thing that i saw there's there's one Canadian team in the NBA, is that right? Yep. And they were Correct. they were slated to play in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And the players Something were like, like the players were like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was Good kind of amazing. Them. So so I mean the issue is, and we're having the same issue in the in the NHL is that the border right. crossings, right? Yeah. The, right. We're still right. we're still borders closed, and if I were Canada, I would. You know, yeah, keep who it can blame for a while. Yeah, keep um, the filthy Americans so, out of the border. So I mean, it, so I mean, it makes sense if there's only one team in the league that's in Canada to relocate mm. them to somewhere in the states to play for the season. But do you know more about this? I mean, it was it was basically it was basically what I understood was the players were like, "That's where Breonna Taylor was killed. Fuck you. We're not yeah. going there." 
I don't know the details, but that's my understanding of it as well. The NBA, just like the WNBA, has been heavily involved in the social justice uh, movement this summer, and that means heavily involved with the Breonna Taylor protests and uh, and discussions. And I would absolutely believe mm-hmm. that they said, "Fuck no, we're not going to Louisville." Um, I just thought it. I thought it was really cool because, and yeah. the 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 basketball leagues do a much better job of this than anyone else. But they actually say, no, we're not going to do that. And there's yeah. there's power in that, right? They have leverage over the league. So mm-hmm. they're, they are forcing change. And it's great mm-hmm. to see. And I just wish some of the other leagues would figure <laughs> that out. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's, honestly, I think there's an advantage in, ha- in the smaller teams. I think that helps mm. because it's a lot easier to get to both to get everybody on the same page probably and also because you have these strong individual personalities i feel like hockey is so much more the sort of like group think sometimes that the individuals oh, are yeah. subsumed into the team in a way that is just not true yes. in basketball yeah, yeah and baseball the teams are so big that even yeah if you, you have got star minimum players, 25 people to try to get them to yeah agree. exactly yeah. basketball's 15. Well, you know, and, like that's... and also, just a quick Google search, the NBA in 2015 was nearly 75% black players. So yep. so when you have yep. the majority are the people who are affected by the shitty policies and the systemic mm-hmm. and the, the structural mm-hmm. racism, it's going to be a lot easier for them to find solidarity in speaking up against that, as opposed to Absolutely. hockey, where you have maybe one black player yeah. per team maybe yeah yep yeah. yep yeah. yeah. no that's absolutely true yeah so that's my basketball news theoretically maybe there will be basketball starting december 22nd cross your fingers we'll find <laughs> out um the warriors will be getting i don't remember if it's first or second draft pick i'm not sure if we know yet because they were the worst team (laughs) that'll do it yep last year yeah so that's good i mean we'll see we'll see a lot of people are panning this draft class they're saying they don't really like it but i feel like there's a couple good options so we'll see what the warriors come up with Um, there's going to be a superstar or five that come out of every draft class so even if this one is shitty it's still going to be you're still going to get some good guys out of it yeah and you know you just never know i mean as draymond green bless his heart, <laughs> likes to point out he wasn't picked until the second round, you know, and he's phenomenal. One of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I think I've mentioned this before, is that Draymond Green can still recite the names of all, I want to say, 32 other players who were picked before him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hold on to wow. that grudge. Never let yeah, it go. Exactly. It says so much about him as a, as a person, and I just love, you know, it's, it's like, and it's not... I mean, it does say that he's, you know, kind of a petty, vindictive bitch. But it also I says mean, that, that he uses that to make himself great, which is the yeah. the important piece of it, right? Like, it's right, motivating right. to him in a useful way. So, yeah. I love it. I think it's great. So, who knows? I mean, like, whatever. You get something out well, of it. Well, yeah. And, and Jamie Benn, who's the captain of the Dallas Stars, mm-hmm. he was picked in the fifth round. Right. Exactly. So Yeah, I would just to say I'd be interested to see in all of our various sports how often the first round draft picks end up being you know, these phenomenal superstars that everybody thinks they're going to be. Well, there's LeBron James. I mean, you know, you get one of those every few (laughs) decades, right? Just saying. (laughs) But yes, that's fair. 
So, Rebecca, tell us about hockey. Do we know anything about when hockey is going to start or how? Or Yeah, so theoretically, it's starting on January 1, 2021, or later. <laughs> nice. It's not starting before but then. Definitely not before January Definitely 1st. not before January uh, 1st, yeah. Um, I mean, there there's a lot of things that they're trying to figure out. There's There are what, five or six teams in Canada. So borders are going to be an Mm -hmm. issue. Um, Mm -hmm. They are trying very hard to figure out how they can do it safely and in a a pandemic world because they recognize that having all of the players in two bubbles in the States for six months is not a viable solution. So honestly, I think that's the thing that's, that's the holdup right now is they're trying to figure out what to do. There's, you know, one of the plans that's been thrown forward is having the, having basically four divisions that are not necessarily the divisions that we have now, um, but a Canadian division and then three American divisions. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can almost play, in the bubble for like three weeks in each of the four places and then Mm -hmm. go home for two weeks and then, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. So Mm -hmm. um, there's just, there's so many logistics to work out. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I'll be interested to see how basketball ends up handling that. And I don't know that there's been much discussion of that yet. Yeah. Is there much talk about um, having fans in the stands for hockey? Has, Has it been a big priority? Um. Oh, actually, that was that was something interesting I read. Um, oh God, now I'm not going to remember it. It was some. There was some article that that was talking about how they would only have a season if they could have fans in the stands, and mm. if there was any city that would not allow fans in the stands, then they couldn't allow it for some teams and arenas and and not for others. Right. So essentially it's an all or nothing deal. So if there are some cities that won't allow people in the stands, there's not going to be a season. And right off the bat, I can tell you, California is not going to allow it. Yeah. DC is not going to allow it. New York is not going to allow it. Right. So right there. The difference between making some money and no money, they're going to take some money and have a a season (laughs) without fans in the stands. Um, so, I mean, just off the top of my head, that's, that's, and I mean, Jersey is probably in there with New York as well. So that's five mm-hmm. teams, Chicago. five teams right off the bat that are not going to, mm-hmm. well, I don't care about Chicago. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying they'll probably oh, also do that. Actually, um, Chicago, so the Chicago team is the Blackhawks and their logo mm-hmm. is a Native American Racist. wearing a headdress. Yes. yes. Um Although they say that the name the Blackhawks is the helicopter. And I'm like, well, then make your fucking logo a helicopter. Anyway, moving (laughs) on. Um, Apparently, they have agreed or decided um, to read a like a land acknowledgement. Oh, yes. Before every game. I thought that was fascinating. Like that is that is a great step in the right direction. I mean, yeah, change a logo. You can even right. keep it the Blackhawks, but make your logo a helicopter, right? Um, no, no, because the name of the helicopter is still racist. Oh, is it? Is it named after? I think so. I don't know. 
I mean, we also have the Apache helicopter. That's a fair point. So no, that's I'm true. Gonna All right. Go out on a limb right. here and say yeah. you make a good point. <laughs> All right. Um. So so it's not it's not great, but them reading that kind of acknowledgement before every game is going to start some conversations somewhere, which I thought was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the season. Um, it, basically, we we it's going to start sometime in 2021. <laughs> and they want they want to go to the Olympics. Uh, that that's basically what we know. Everything yeah. else is just pure speculation. Wait. Hockey Olympics? No. They just take time off for the Olympics. Cuz it's the summer, summer Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier and it just totally did not occur to me that this is a summer Olympics. It is it a is. summer Olympics. I mean, they I got swear. some real good volleyball players on that team or something. <laughs> <laughs> I swear the Olympics Swimmers. have come Swimmers, into this conversation, okay. but you know what? Maybe, maybe that was a year and a half ago, and I just and I've just for broadcasting my... purposes. That's it true. Could be, yeah. You wouldn't want to have the playoffs competing with the Olympics. Oh, on they've TV, done that before. Have they? Yeah, really? yeah. Because the wow. the NHL didn't allow the players to go to the, the Olympics in the last in the previous Winter Olympics. They just played through. Wow, mm. interesting. Stupid. Anyway. So, you had another hockey thing to tell us about, though. Rebecca. Yes. Um, all right. So the story that came out um, it was published first in an article on the Atlantic on November fifth. Um, Bane Pettinger, um, who That's a hell of is a name. the yes, it's an NPR B A Y N E. Yeah, it's a Canadian name. <laughs> yeah. His fair. middle name is probably CBC Kale. Name, yeah. Um, so, um, Bane Pettinger, who is not currently a player, an ice hockey player, but he is prominent in the ice hockey world. Um, he came out as gay. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, he's the, I want to say he's the third, um, hockey adjacent male player to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first was Brendan Burke back in 2009. Um, the only, re- well, I'm not, I was going to say the only reason Brendan Burke is important and that's, that's completely unfair. <laughs> um, uh, Brendan's father, Brian Burke is a commentator mm. for the NHL and he okay. is formerly a coach. So when his son, um, Brandon came out, Brendan, Brendan came out. Um, Brian was an active coach in the league. So like oh, people, people knew him and his family mm-hmm. and he, he played like collegiate hockey. So mm-hmm. he was the first, um, Brock McGillis, um, he did play in the, uh, he played North American ice hockey, but I don't think he ever played in the NHL, but he did play professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock McGillis, he came out in 2016 um so he's technically the first professional men's ice hockey player to come out as gay um and he basically did it he did it after he retired um Mm -hmm. because he was he was so miserable in the league hiding himself mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um there are actually a couple of really good stories and he does a podcast now his his story is really fascinating he's very brutally honest um so anyway bane pettinger 
Um, he came out just, God, November 5th was four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Jesus. Okay. Uh-huh. Sure. It um, was. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been in the hockey world for a while. His um, dad and his brother played, actually his brother, Mike, played for the Capitals in the early aughts. Um, he has friends who are well known in the league, like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. Hmm. Um, and um, he was a manager of hockey operations for Hockey Canada. Um, he was part of the Hockey Canada um, operations and management teams when they won gold in the 2014 Olympics, 2015 Worlds, 2016 World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. So like he's well known in the in the league, even though he's not currently a player um, mm -hmm. and he's working on becoming a player agent. Mm. So um it was it was just it was a big story, um, especially because of the people who are current players in the league saying, hey, this guy's my friend and he's awesome and I'm really proud of him for coming out. That's awesome. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. So, I mean, hockey still has a long men's hockey in particular still has a very long way to go. Yeah, I was going to say, meanwhile, the captains yes. of the U.S. national <laughs> yes. hockey team and the yes. Canadian national hockey team for women's hockey are yes. married to each How other. How has there not been a movie a baby. about that yet? Yeah. I don't know, because no. it's so cute. No, and that's why I've been very specific yes, to say yes. that men's hockey, because <laughs> a lot of articles about um, Bain and Brock McGillis talk about them being the, or about Brock McGillis at least, talk mm -hmm. about him being the first out professional hockey player. And he mm -hmm. came out in 20, what did I say, 2016? 16, something like that, yeah. And there have been women out in hockey much, much longer than that. Yeah. Um, But it was a really... It was a really nice step for hockey. Um, and honestly, like, I think it's going to be a really palatable, quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, way of less tolerant, more bigoted hockey fans of like getting used to the idea of right. gay people being hockey adjacent. Ease them into it. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Fuck those people. I don't I don't think we should have to ease them into it. But No, but but yeah. it's a reality. But it's it really the reality is like of the world. Really yeah. Crazy to think about. And like obviously I live in the Bay Area, so you know, there's a different perspective, but just like that in this the year of our Lord twenty twenty, you know, nobody in a major sporting league feels comfortable being out. Men's sporting league, I should say. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, and, and one of the things I remember Brock McGillis saying when I listened to his interview a couple years ago was um, he genuinely does not believe there are any um, gay players in the NHL. Really? Not, really? not that gay people or queer people don't play hockey, but because the culture in the no, NHL is so toxic. Exactly. They, they've either been weeded out or they've self-selected out because they don't want to go into that awful culture. That's yeah. so interesting because I always look at, at pro sports and just assume that, like, there's at least a few of them and they're just laying low, you know, because statistically, mm -hmm. yeah. that, that would be, mm -hmm. you know, even if you don't have a certain yeah, how, amount How of can you get out, that many men together and not, not have, have somebody, least, yeah. you know? 
But I mean, maybe that's especially because if you if you think about all of the years leading up to the pro sports, like yeah. you know, I think we're on the older end for for pro athletes, all of us. But if I think about like what it would have been like to be out going through sports when I was a kid and a teenager, like it would have been terrible. Yeah. And so I think maybe we're only just now getting to the level of players who are young enough that being out in junior high, high school, college might not have been as awful. So yeah, there's that sort of delayed reaction, I guess, because you have to get through the system first. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that Bain Pettinger said is that he like he started texting the the big hockey people in his contact list mm-hmm. first to just tell a few individuals like mm-hmm. Tyson Barry and Connor mm-hmm. McDavid and mm-hmm. uh, the other captain McBoring, uh, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> um, and then once the, once the story got published on the athletic, he was being contacted by kids in high school and college mm-hmm. and the junior league saying, thank you. It's really cool to know that, like, I can still live in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Joe, did you just mouth representation matters? Is that what that was? <laughs> <laughs> Getting prompts from the peanut gallery. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so it's just like it's it's a great story, but it also at the same time highlights just how fucking far we have to go. Yeah. Yeah. I find it to be so, in- I mean, perhaps predictable, given what we know of our culture and society, but also still just an interesting illustration that w- the women's sports, women's hockey, women's basketball, women's soccer, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say they, you know, don't give two fucks about it, but it is such, so much less of a thing. I do know you do get players who do care. I know that I've certainly read articles of, you know, that the players who who come from the small, you know, rural religious areas of the country and then have to adjust to having, you know, openly out and gay married teammates. And sometimes that's a hard thing for them to adapt to, Mm -hmm. but they have to adapt to it. Like that's the culture of women's sports. It's like, you got, you got to deal with it. Well, you also have the the stereotype cutting the other way where that like all women who play sports must be gay. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then I also wonder like, because women's professional sports have less um, have less visibility, mm-hmm. there's probably less pressure on them. Yeah, in well, some there's... ways that might make it easier. Not that I'm, I, you know, in yeah. quotes for the audience. Not that I'm thinking yeah. it's easy to come out because I recognize that for many people it's not. But I wonder if that the pressure difference um, makes a difference. Well, and I mean, it all gets back to, you know, our societal issues of we are simultaneously culturally more threatened by women's sexuality, but less threatened by queer women than we are queer men. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it is more mm-hmm. okay for mm-hmm. a woman to be attracted to other women than it is for a man mm-hmm. to be attracted to other men, in spite of the fact that we mm-hmm. don't want to consider that women think about or have sex ever at all in any way because that's dirty Icky. and pure. <laughs> yes. Yay, society. So that wasn't We socialism. really, what is we this? really ran the gamut we're, on this episode. 
broadening yeah. our horizons Got into here, queer theory. It. It's pretty nice. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a nice change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's put a let's put a bow on this one, guys. Wrap awesome. it up. Tie it up tight. Any final thoughts on our assorted series finales and looking ahead to the futures of our possible sports at some time, maybe? Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, just that it's baseball. weird. It's just <laughs> weird being in November and not having sports on. It's really weird being. In Wait, November I guess football is on. on. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh. That's a thing. Sorry, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> We could we could try that. We could do a couple games. We'd see. Well, we could see. Well, let's not let's not tell let's ourselves. Not go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Let's not be hasty. All right. Yeah. Well, with that, we will we will leave it off. Rebecca. Yes. Do you have the thing? I do have the thing. Believe I it or not. So impressed. <laughs> you are killing it today, my friend. Yeah. So, um, uh, for any of those. Um, People who want to write in and talk to us about why we're wrong about socialism or ask us questions or tell us we're great. Uh, you can email us at foulpuckpod at gmail. Um, we are also at foulpuckpodcast on Instagram and we are constantly on foulpuckpod on Twitter. Those are the best yep. places to find us. And we do we do genuinely love hearing from people. We do. Yes. It's really true. Getting listener questions is terrific and we like it. And I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing and uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to say that if you are listening, uh, please subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify. Leave us a rating. Tell your friends. Uh, you know, everybody knows somebody who would get something out of this podcast, I think. <laughs> so spread the good word, guys. Uh, do us do us a solid. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Uh, give us an RT and we'll be back probably next week because heaven knows I don't have anything else on my schedule. <laughs> I don't know about you all. So tune in again and we'll drop another episode soon. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe, stay healthy, get your forks ready for that turkey. It's coming soon. I have been Nancy. Oh, I have been Rachel. I'm Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you.